Hey guys, it's Ryan. Thanks for tuning into Theology-ish. Before we jump in, I just want to emphasize that the discussions on this podcast are exploratory in nature and delve into a variety of theological perspectives. They do not strictly represent or define our personal stances on the faith nor the doctrine of our affiliated churches. We encourage listeners to reflect, question, and seek guidance from their local church leaders. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Theology-ish. My name is Ryan, and I am joined today, as always, by William. Yo. How's it going? Oh, pretty good, man. How are you on this fine, crisp Saturday morning? I didn't have to drive over here in the snow like you did, yeah. so I'm pretty great, actually. Yeah, the, the snow is not my friend, and the roads are not great at the moment. But it was fine. Made it in one piece. Yeah, see, I, I hate winter and the snow and ice and all that, but I grew up in Ohio, so I'm kind of used to it. You grew up in Georgia, so I imagine you probably didn't deal with this as much. I didn't deal with it at all. Yeah. There was half an inch of snow on the ground. I called out of work. Oh, you're one of those. Well, no one would come in anyway because no one's going anywhere because there's snow on the ground. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, to live in the South. People up here give the South so much crap for how we quote-unquote overreact to the snow. They don't have plows, and they don't have salt trucks, because once every three years you get more than half an inch that doesn't melt by noon. You don't need that stuff. Yeah. So there's not the infrastructure there to make it safe. That's Plus, fair. unlike here, where everything is flat and straight, there— especially in the parts of the South that I was from. Everything is very much the opposite of both of those things. There are mountains with curves. And driving in that in the snow when it hasn't been treated at all, and you have all-weather tires, because what do you need snow tires for? It never snows here. It's a bad mix. Yeah, I've... People get really hurt a lot. I've driven up and down some mountains before, and uh, I get nervous enough just driving on them, period. Yeah. So I'm I'm the whole time I'm sitting there thinking if I just make one wrong turn here, I'm going to fall off this mountain and die. Yeah. <laughs> so the snow, I imagine, could only make that so much worse. Yeah. So especially with no salt trucks or plows or Yeah. Anything. So it's Yeah. There's a reason people are like, you know what? I'm just gonna stay home today. Fair enough. And it's fair. So uh anything new in your life since the last time we recorded? Uh when when was that? When did we last record? Uh about three weeks ago. Recorded with uh Jim and Matthew. I over it at the church. Yeah. Uh I, I don't think anything nothing interesting. No. Yeah. How about you? Uh I am going out with my wife this afternoon with some of our friends from our small group to Columbus, Ohio. And uh, we're heading up to the book loft. If you've ever heard of, I that. haven't. What what is that? That's the book loft is a alley. it's a bookstore up in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If you've ever been to like uh, Books and Company over yeah. at the Green, yeah. So you know how that's like a massive building. Yes. This is maybe half the size of that building. Okay. But it is packed full of books. I mean, mm-hmm. floor to ceiling, every wall, bookshelves everywhere. It's like a maze. It's also two stories, but again, it's it's maybe half the size of the building of uh of Books and Co. There are probably twice as many books. Is it that like building. used bookstore or new books? Both, I believe. Okay, okay. Um, I've only been there once personally. Um, they've got a whole section dedicated to Christian and religious books. They've got one for, you know, fantasy and one for manga and one for this and that. And uh, there's, they've got everything. Why, why would you want? To read manga. I mean, there's some pretty good manga out there. Which brings us to today's topic, heresy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, bad news, everyone. <laughs> if you watched Sword Art Online, you're going to hell. Well, that, no, but... <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that's not where we're going? No. Uh, so... It's, it sounds like it's going to be a fun trip. I, I hope you guys have fun and drive yeah. through the winter weather. Yeah. Now, before we actually jump in, I do have one thing I want to bring up real quick. Okay. Yep. Which is, um, 
in regards to our episode about the martyrdom of Polycarp. So something that we talked about in pretty decent length during that episode, for anyone who listened, is how the author of that letter clearly wants us to see a a link, a relationship between Polycarp and between Jesus. They're very, they're very clearly trying to lay out these, these similarities between their stories. Um, whether or not because that's genuinely how it happened, and that's just how it is, or whether or not it's, Probably. it's more you know poetic or whatever, and the author was doing that intentionally, I can't say for sure. I wasn't there. But either way, that, that is clearly what was happening. There's a lot of relational links between the story of the crucifixion and Jesus and between the story of Polycarp's martyrdom. Something that I came across after we recorded that episode that neither of us had considered was how it talks about in in the story of Polycarp's martyrdom how a dove flies out of his wound— but in some translations, it says rather that the wound was on his left. Or it's not in some translations. That's the theory to explain yeah. why. Yes. Because the Greek word for dove and the Greek word for left are spelled very similarly. And people are like, this dove thing doesn't make any sense. It must have meant left and someone well, spelled it. I am going to tell those people they're wrong. And I'm going to defend the dove theory. Because I had a thought this week, William, that I shot over to you. I'm proud of you for thinking. Yeah, and uh, I I remember I texted this to you. I'm like, bro, I totally just thought of something. You're like, oh, that does make sense. Jesus, when he is baptized Mm -hmm. by John the Baptist. Yes. His uh, cousin, is it? Yeah, by his cousin, John the Baptist. It says that after he is baptized, that the Holy Spirit or that... The presence of God, or uh, whatever it says, depending it's on your Holy Spirit, your, tra- your translation, it should be Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, quote, like a dove, or in the case of Luke, very specifically, in the physical form of a dove. Coincidence? So that's that's just kind of something I noticed the other day, where uh, they're 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 clearly trying to draw a line between Jesus and Polycarp in some manner. This would be another way for that to happen while also explaining the dove theory. Yeah, unless, of course, you know, the dove just happened. Yeah. Th- that's also an option. Sure, but Maybe. It's, it's just something I noticed. I, I, was, I happened to be reading out of yeah. Luke about Jesus' baptism, and I went, wait a minute. And if you dove for Polycarp, wait a second. If you needed a, a good topic for a term paper on early Christian literature or some such thing— that would be a, a good thesis. You could write a whole, whole doctorate thesis on that. Oh, I don't probably. know. Probably doctorate thesis. Yeah, maybe. You could have a couple paragraphs in there about it. Oh yeah. 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 So anyway, I anyway. just thought that was worth bringing up. Uh, I, I think that's an interesting thought. So it is an interesting thought, and that's a good point that I regret we didn't notice earlier. But fortunately for us. Like, four people have listened to the Polycarp's Martyrdom episode, so if you're listening to this and haven't listened to that, go listen to that, because Polycarp was a baller. Anyway. Let's get into heresy. We're going to talk about heresy. And I wanted to talk about heresy because it has been my observation that, especially in Protestant groups— Mostly because Protestant groups are the ones that I spend most of my time with. When we don't like somebody, or we disagree with somebody, or we think that some other denomination is weird, like the Catholics, we'll go, oh yeah, they're heretics, or whatever. You know, your pastor at your old church said something that you don't like, so then you start going to a different church, and you go, yeah, stop going there because the pastor was a heretic. And you just throw that word around real willy-nilly. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've definitely... I mean, I can't say I've seen it a lot, but I've seen it. But yeah, it's more like... I mean, people do it less in person, but I see it online a lot where people will just throw out the word heretic like it's... 
Go to Reddit yeah. and go to r slash Christianity, and I guarantee you'll find hundreds of people willing to call you a heretic for your beliefs. Yeah, and uh, I think that most of us have a bad understanding of what heresy is, so I wanted to come on here today and clear up some of that bad understandings on what heresy is, and hopefully give us some better understandings on what heresy is. Uh, B. So, without further ado, heresy necessarily is a thing that comes from within the church. Okay? Someone who is outside of the church, like a Muslim, is not a heretic because they're not inside. Right? I've heard Christians refer to Muslims as heretics before. Nope. They're just a different thing. Different religion. Pagans. Pagans. Not heretics. Just different religion. There you go. Um, when someone inside the church has an idea that goes against the historical Christian teachings— and the teachings of Holy Scripture, when they have an idea that goes against that, something like, I don't know, universalism. That's the idea that everyone will be saved in the end. It's not something that the church has historically understood to be the case, and that's not something that Holy Scripture teaches. Jesus himself is not a universalist. I should sure would like to be a universalist if it wasn't for the pesky fact that Jesus isn't, and therefore I cannot be. Truly I say to you, all who cry out, Lord, Lord, to me will not be saved. Yeah, if there's some that won't be saved, that means that not everyone is saved, and therefore universalism is wrong. And the fact that it comes from Jesus, kind of a big deal. That so. kind of gives it divine authority, so. Yeah, kind kind of a kind of a big deal. So if someone at your church is leading a small group about the Bible and they're talking about things, and this person who's leading the small group believes in universalism, that in and of itself doesn't make them a heretic, not necessarily. So they have this idea, and it's a wrong idea. And they, your pastor hears about them talking about universalism in their small group. So he says, hey, man, um, this is concerning. This is what I've heard. Can we get breakfast and talk about it? And the guy says, yeah, okay. So the pastor and your small group leader, they go get breakfast. And the pastor says, look, uh, here's how the church has understood this. Historically, we have consistent teachings to the contrary of universalism. Uh, within the mainstream church for 2,000 years. Holy Scripture does not teach universalism. It's pretty clear-cut. This, uh, this isn't right, buddy. If, after receiving correction, he continues to obstinately and consistently continue in his wrong belief, and to teach his wrong belief, then we can start calling him a heretic, because he's received correction. Now, receiving the one correction at breakfast, that might not be enough. We might need to get coffee next Thursday and keep talking about this, and um, over the course of several months, really dig into it. Yeah, let me... Like, let me send you some resources. Read this book. Let's read that book. Let's not read this book. Let's read this book and, and talk about where it is wrong. And we can do that. And as long as they're in a position that is open to the correction, then that doesn't, then they're safe from being a heretic. Okay? It's only when they're. Like, nope, universalism's right, everyone else is wrong, um, and then they take a big fat dookie on the Bible because they're like, 
the Bible's wrong, and I'm more right than the Bible. I know more things about the afterlife than Jesus. Well, now you're a heretic. That is probably the worst stance you could take. Maybe don't. It's bad. Yeah, don't. Don't think that you're smarter than the Bible. (laughs) Or certainly not smarter than Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, So with these things in mind, heresy comes from within the church. It is obstinately held onto after receiving correction. And it's not the same thing as having wrong thoughts. Sometimes we talk about it like it is. Some I know on this show we've said things before and we're like, this might be a heresy, but, or this might make me a heretic to think this, but it's not the same thing as being a heretic to have a wrong thought. It's also not the same thing as like folk theology. Grandma thinking something because her grandma told her when she was a little girl and being not quite right about it, that's not the same thing as grandma being a heretic. Right? Well, yeah, and my thought is, if that were the case, if thinking wrong things or or not understanding things fully made you a heretic, everyone would be a heretic. There would be no non-heretics. Yeah, and when we're too flippant with the word heretic, it makes people afraid to approach anything theological. Because they don't want to be a heretic, so they, they're like, oh, I, I don't even want to talk about that, man, because what if we do a heresy? Well, being a heretic, or making a heretical statement, being mistaken, speaking poorly, or misunderstanding, it's not the same thing as being a heretic. It's okay to be wrong about things, provided that you don't consistently and obstinately hold to your wrong beliefs— after you have received correction from someone who has, uh, who's in a position to correct you, you know? Yeah. And do with that what you will within your own denomination. <laughs> if you're Lutheran, priesthood of the believer, baby, everybody can correct you. Everybody. Everybody. If you're Catholic, maybe not. You're priest. Uh, again, heresy's not the same thing as other religions. Islam's not a heresy. Judaism, not a heresy. Hindu, not Hindu. No, Hindu. Hinduism. Hinduism, that's the word. Yeah. I was like, what? Hindu, that's a noun. What's the adjective version of Hinduism? Hindu, Hinduism. The Hindus. <laughs> I'm going to exclusively refer to them as Hindus now. Yeah, the Hindus. And then I'll get labeled a racist. <laughs> Pagans. Not heresies, just different religions. Wrong, and also different religions. Uh, and it's also not the same thing as uh, diversity of opinion. There, there are some things within Christianity where we can maintain a, a solid core of principal doctrines and have some disagreements on certain things. And that's diversity within orthodoxy. We're allowed to have that. Um, we're not going to get into specific examples of that today because I can't think of any offhand. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, just that is a throw th- a, a blank example out there for the sake of conversation. I mean, I can believe that baptism is symbolic and only symbolic. And you, William, could believe baptism does a thing. But you and I could still go to the same church and be cool with each other. That's that's not a heresy. So uh, this kind of heresy and heretic are uh, kind of Catholic terms. Yeah. And the Catholic would add to this that the heretic—so for that diversity and orthodoxy thing, they would add that it's okay for us to have disagreements— insofar as the church has not spoken definitively on the subject. Mm. Okay? So there are some things within Catholic doctrine that the church has not definitively said, this is the way it is. Okay? Once the church has said, this is the way it is, and that's official doctrine, you can become a heretic 
after receiving the correction if you don't uh, kind of toe the line there. Potentially, right? The Catholic Church is less gung-ho of uh, throwing around the label of heretic as they were in bygone eras, and perhaps this is a, a bad thing, but that's a topic for another time. Um, well, at the very least, we aren't burning them anymore. <laughs> that's progress? Whoa. Ooh. Hmm. Perhaps we could get into that in a little bit. <laughs> uh, I don't advocate violence unless it's necessary. Um, <laughs> well, you you laugh at that and you joke, but uh, we're yeah, we're joking. we're going through a a Bible study in Ecclesiastes in my small group right now, and uh, here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be leading on Ecclesiastes three and four, and the opening to chapter three of Ecclesiastes is how there is a time for everything. And uh, some of the things listed in that list of times there are thing, uh, things there are times for, there is a time for war, and there is a time for peace. There is a time for killing, and there is a time for saving. But, but then we also have to ask how much of Ecclesiastes is—how um, much of it is right, because our author is clearly going through it. He's having a hard time with his mental health, um, <laughs> and— are you questioning divine authority, William? I'm questioning if reading every statement in Holy Scripture as affirmative is the right hermeneutic. I mean, that's fair enough, actually, but yeah, just uh, so, you know, just putting that out there. And also, that's Old Testament Jewish stuff, that's which true. you know we've got like the whole New Testament where Jesus is like, "Hey, don't do violence." So you know, yeah, this, that's this, true. Anyway, anyway, so f the point I was getting at. A Catholic would say that that example of disagreeing on baptism is not an open question. The church mm -hmm. has spoken definitively. Baptism confers grace. And if you deny that, after receiving correction on it, you have broached into heretic town. Now, see, this is where we get into the interesting thing about it, though, where the Catholic church— may have labeled you a heretic for that. But the Protestant church has not. So well, here, are you a heretic or are you not? With how Protestant churches work, it's harder for us to have heretics because when I disagree with someone at my Protestant church, I can take my ball and play somewhere else and mm -hmm. go and start my own thing since we Protestants don't have a... Uh, need, desire, or respect for apostolic succession, if Joe declares himself supreme leader of uh, the full— Jodyism. Jodyism, full open Bible, uh, complete Christianity, or whatever, and that's his new Protestant denomination, sure. He can he do, can that. do that. And now there's no one within— the hierarchy to offer correction and he's cut himself off from other denominations where there are people to offer correction mm. it's like i don't know about that that's yeah this is one of the weaknesses of the baptist denomination in particular because the baptists really like being independent baptist church loves having independent churches and a problem with that is that if you have an independent church there is no hierarchy beyond Pastor Steve. And if Pastor Steve starts going off the rails a little bit, there's no one to rein him in. And that, that creates some problems. There is safety in numbers. And when you've cut yourself off from the numbers, where is your safety net? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I'm not trying to sound like a, Catholic apologeticist here because I'm not Catholic, um, but <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> you get what I'm getting. I at? see like, what you're saying though, because if you're in the Catholic Church, there there is the Church, and that's it. There, right? There aren't forty thousand denominations for you to jump around to with small little beliefs. It's either you believe what we believe or you don't. Yeah, and if you believe the wrong things, and then you don't change your mind. That would make you a heretic. And technical proficiency is not required of the lay Catholic. 
you don't have to have all of the right definitions 100% to be allowed to be a Catholic. Um, there's grace and some wiggle room there. So, you know, this is, it, it gets hard because this is really kind of a Catholic term that we're using and we're borrowing it and trying to take the parts of their definition that still would apply to Protestants and kind of leave some of the parts that wouldn't for the sake of discussion. I I think that the Catholic, the official Catholic definition of heresy being that it's from within the church, uh, consistently and obstinately held onto after correction, and that it's about a subject the church has definitively spoke on. Uh, I think that's a good definition. Here's what I think in regards to the Protestant church. I, I don't think it's that the Protestants don't have heretics necessarily or heresy. I think it's that they just don't call it heresy. They don't call them heretics. Because, by golly, I've been to a few Protestant churches in my day. I know a lot of Protestant church members. And I could say pretty confidently nine out of ten of them at least would be very comfortable saying that Arius was wrong. And a not good Christian, based on what we know about him, and would describe him as what the Catholics might call a heretic. It's just that Protestants don't use the word heretic. Well, sometimes they do. It just it, it just it depends on the group, but um, by and large, I don't think it's that the Protestants don't have an idea of something like heretics. I think it's just that most of them don't have the same words for it. Yeah, if that and makes sense. I, I'm. We definitely have the category of heretic. It's just that it's clunkier Mm -hmm. when we... It's not as airtight. Yeah, when it's someone that consistently and obstinately holds to a wrong belief after receiving correction on a particular point of doctrine that the Church has spoken definitively about, well, not all of the Protestant denominations have definitively spoken about a whole lot of things, so there's far more wiggle room for people to get silly. Well, here's here's a question. Something I want to get into is, let's say, for example, the Catholics have definitively spoken on the fact that communion and baptism do things. They confer grace, right? Yeah. That is something that they, as a church, have definitively spoken on. The Baptists and many other Protestant groups don't believe in that doctrine. Does that mean that in the eyes of the Catholic Church, that would make Baptists and other Baptist-adjacent Protestant denominations are heretical? Well, I don't want to start another war. Uh, (laughs) And I I think that entirely depends on which member of the Catholic Church you ask. Mm. Um. I have a whole lot of problems with viewing sacraments as merely symbolic. Um, I don't think that's right, and I don't think it's good, and I, I don't think it's consistent with either A, the teachings of Holy Scripture, or B, the teachings of the Church historically, until 15-whatever, when Zwingli decided that everything everyone else ever thought was dumb— um, yeah, so I, I've got a whole lot of problems with that. I, I don't know if the Catholics themselves would say, yep, heretic. Um, can't speak for them. Fair enough. Uh, is there any questions about any of the definitions or things that heresy isn't or rabbit trails you want to go down? Because I've got some specific historical heresies that I'd like to chit-chat about because, believe it or not— a lot of these are still around. And it sure would be mighty nice for us to know what they are so that when we encounter someone doing it, we can... It's like that meme of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio when he's like sitting on the couch and he's like, hey, hey, hey. Pointing at the TV. Yeah, yeah. It's that. You see someone doing some foolishness and you're like, oh, 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 heresy. Well, thankfully... There's actually a great resource for that, which is the book Heretics by G.K. Chesterton. 
<laughs> which is not about heresy at large as a concept, no, it, but it is a collection of what he believes to be heretics and the heresies they were committing during his time. And I, I really don't think that uh, a lot of the people that he's criticizing in his book, Heretics, are not within the church. Yeah, because uh, one of the big ones, I'm I'm just about to finish that book myself. One of the big ones he touches on is atheism, and he calls atheism a heresy. And yeah. based on the parameters you've laid out, that wouldn't fit. Yeah. Um. So it, it depends a little on how you define he, he gives, heresy. He gives a definition toward the front of the book uh, that's something closer to wrong think is heresy. Um. Either way, it's a good book. It's I'd a very good book. I suggest you go read it. He makes a lot of great points. Um, so if you're interested in some some heresy and some maybe not heresy, potentially, uh, go read it anyway, and you'll learn some things. Yeah, he's got—he's uh, basically coming at the intelligentsia of late 19th century London, and he's like, hey, there's this playwright that has these ideas, and his ideas are bunk. The playwright is Brian Shaw. You might have heard of him. There's this science fiction writer who has some ideas, and his ideas are interesting but wrong. You might have heard of him. His name is H.G. Wells. And he goes down and different chapters take on different uh, different ideas. It's it's an interesting read. But you, you want to get into the uh, historical heresies of Christianity? Yeah, and I bet you I could call uh, at least one or two of them out off the top of my head. Well, we're we're going to tr- go chronologically. Mm, fair enough. Now, right. th- this is not an exhaustive list. And as is the case most of the time on this show, we're kicking it from the dome. Uh, I've got like half of a note card worth of notes and they stop after the second heresy. So if we get stuff wrong, <laughs> forgive us. It wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, we do that a lot. Uh, heresy number one, the Judaizers. You know anything about them? Uh, I might. I'm not familiar with the term. Uh, I. It's possible I know what you're talking about and just don't know that term, though. Well, uh, we read about them in the New Testament. They're the people that were like, hey, this whole Christianity thing sure is cool, but you still need to get circumcised and also follow the law. Oh, uh, yeah. And Paul's response being, no. What? But what are you talking about? <laughs> this, what? What? Yeah. And uh, people still circumcise their babies today quite frequently. Yeah. That's still a very common practice in the church. Yeah, so the the Judaizers, they thought that people who convert to Christianity ought to follow the Mosaic Law. They thought that Jesus was a prophet, and a very good prophet, but they would have denied that he was divine. Like the Muslims. Muslims. Muslims, Muslims. I... Muslims. (laughs) I'm not trying to sound racist, I swear. I I genuinely don't know the correct way to pronounce it. I, I... Either way. Yeah. I, I've seen it in a lot of uh, older books that are referred to as, like, Mohammedans. Yeah. Which I've... is an interesting term you don't run into anymore. Yeah, but Muslims still today take the approach that Jesus was a prophet for the true God, but not himself God. I'll do you one better. Uh, unpopular opinion, Messianic Jews. Mm. They Yeah. The Messianic Jews are this. Period. Yeah. They deny Jesus' divinity. They think that he was a really good guy, a great prophet, a great teacher. They might even go so—and f- they think he was the Messiah. Um, but they do not think that he was consubstantial with the Father, which is the Christian doctrine and has been from jump. He was a divinely inspired prophet. Yeah, and—sorry, Messianic Jews. That ain't it. And sorry to my Christian friends that, like— really like Jewish stuff. Like, you, have you encountered this where, like, just because it's Jewish, they're like, yes, cool. Oh, yeah, and you get those kinds of people who, like, start getting into Hebrew really deep and stuff. And Which, they cool. find There's ahead. nothing wrong with that, but you get those people who start learning Hebrew and collecting Jewish artifacts. And, and, and they're like, 
oh, want to want to live out in Amish country, that kind of thing. I'm gonna celebrate the festival of booths because yeah, and it's like, hey, don't. We're not. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've. I don't know that I've ever met one, but I've definitely seen those kinds of people on like the internet and stuff before. Yeah, I, I've I've known a couple of them where they're like, if it's Jewish, it's good, but the Judaizers were not. They were wrong. They were within the church, and they're for heretics, and they still exist, kind of. Some people would in different count, ways. Yeah, in different ways. Some people would say that messianic jews count as christians i'm gonna say that uh, i don't know so here's one thing i wanted to touch on the, i'll draw a hard line there and say they're not yeah uh so in our definition that heresy is coming from within the church um this starts to get a little messy as we go because there are some things that maybe start in the church but they are different enough on a long enough time horizon that they end up becoming something that's decidedly not the church. So whilst Messianic Jews might have started within the church, at this point, they're clearly something else. They've they've started their own thing. Yeah. The next one is the Docetists. The Docetists were a type of heretic that thought that Jesus was a divinely inspired spirit. And while the Judaizers thought that Jesus was a man who was divinely inspired, the Docetists would say that he was a spirit that was divinely inspired. And so they would deny his humanity— and they would say that he seemed to have a body, but he did not actually have a body. No, that's wrong. This one makes me angry. <laughs> yeah, it should. It's bad. Uh, it gets its name from the Greek word for seeming. It's like dokeo or something like that. Seo or Do something like that. Uh, it's with a, a kappa, so it would be a, a hard K sound. Probably. I don't know Greek, so. Um, so it would be dokeo. Um, something like that. That's eh, probably the wrong word, and I'm sure my pronunciation's horrible, but it comes from the Greek word for seeming, so that's why they're called the seemers, the docetists. Oh, they seem clothes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so they... Uh, they don't think Jesus was fully God and fully man, which is kind of the thing that Christians are into. It's kind of a kind of a big deal. Yeah. I you know, how do I word what I want to say here? Hang I have no idea. What are you what do you want to say? At some point within the church, there has to be a line drawn in the sand. That tells us when somebody is no longer part of the church or is a heretic or is, is objectively wrong about a thing, right? At some point, there has to be a line drawn in the sand because if there isn't, your church is going to be filled with heretics and wrong thinkers and potentially not even Christians. It's, uh, it's the same thing with uh, individuals, you know? You will know the Christians by the fruit of the Spirit. And while it is not my place to say who is or is not saved, and who is or is not a Christian, at some point, I have to be able to draw a line in the sand and say, you aren't one of us, because you do not behave in a way that is indicative of Christianity, you do not do the things that we as Christians are called to do. You do not exhibit behavior that is in line with Christ. There has to be a line drawn to the sand at some point. It's the same thing with this. At some point with doctrine relating, especially, I feel like, especially to Christ, there has to be a draw line in the sand drawn somewhere. Because if you don't, your church will be filled with heretics, wrong thinkers, and possibly not Christians at all. 
So if you have people in your church suggesting that Jesus Christ didn't have a physical body, that might be a pretty good place to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, and that's uh, what we did. <laughs> yeah. When when the docetists started uh, this nonsense, the church's response was, no? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? And so we uh, stopped hanging out with those guys. So our next heresy that I'd like to talk about, it, now, again, not an exhaustive list, but the next one we're going to talk about is Gnosticism. Ah, uh, good old Gnosties. This is, I hate this one. <laughs> dumb. It's dumb. I okay. mean, they're all dumb, but... so. I could talk about the Gnostics for a really long time. I'm not going to. I'm going to say this. Okay. There was not a group of schismatic churches that were all Gnostic. There were groups of individuals who declared themselves to be special Gnostic teachers— because the, the idea of Gnosticism is that Jesus had secret knowledge, and he gave the secret knowledge to special people. And the Gnostic leaders would say, I have access to the secret knowledge. And the that's where they get their name from, the Greek word for knowledge, gnosis. So they have access to the secret knowledge. Wrong. But just, yes. But just follow me here. We have Joe, who declares himself to be the Gnostic leader with access to secret knowledge. So Joe's our Gnostic leader. And then Steve also claims to have access to secret knowledge. And then Dave also claims to have access to secret knowledge. And then Chris also claims. So we didn't have Gnosticism. We had Gnosticisms. As many Gnostic teachers as there were, there were schools of Gnosticism, because everyone was claiming to have secret knowledge. But if everyone has secret knowledge, then the knowledge isn't secret. Yes. If it, It's kind of like, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, um, The Incredibles. Know that movie? Yeah. How Syndrome, towards the end of the movie when he's revealing his big plot if to Mr. Incredible. Super, no one will be. If, when everybody is super, nobody will be. It's the same idea here. If everybody has secret knowledge, it's not no everyone one. that has secret knowledge. It's just the sec the Gnostic leaders. The Gnostic leaders have secret knowledge, and but you can get a this bunch of them. You can get the secret knowledge too if you join up with their school, and they'll give you secret knowledge. And they had like really complex cosmologies where there were different levels of heaven, and you had to learn the secret knowledge to learn the what were essentially passwords so that when you die you can say the password to the guardian of the next level of heaven and they will let you through and then you say the password to the next guardian and so on and so on and so on and different gnostic teachers had different uh heavenly hierarchies some of them were hundreds of levels worth of heaven some were like 8 it just depended on which crazy guy you were talking to. Uh, some Gnostics had this idea that, like... So, it, something that was common to Gnostics is that the God of the Old Testament is not God. He's like an evil lower thing, and he created matter. And he created matter because he's icky. It's basically the the train of thought. And then we have a higher God that created spirits. And the spirits have been trapped in the matter. So Jesus came to reveal to us that higher God that creates spirits. And the Old Testament revealed to us the lower God that created matter. And the lower God that created matter is evil. And the higher God that created spirits is good. And now we have spirits trapped in matter. And Unless you get the secret knowledge, you're going to be stuck in the evil matter forever through a cycle of reincarnation. And it's—if this sounds complicated and dumb, it's because it is. It, it's silly. And if as you're listening to it, you go, this is silly, the Gnostic teacher would say, you don't have the divine spark. 
you don't have what it takes to accept the secret knowledge. So if someone was like, hey, this sounds interesting, they were like, yes, you have the divine spark. And hey, everyone wants to be uh, special. So, Hey, Gnostic leader guy, you're not silly. You're a heretic. Yeah, uh, and over, it started within the church. Fast forward 50 to 100 years, and it's very much no longer a part of the church. Uh, Good. Yeah. Good riddance. Um, it's. I'm trying not to spend too much time on this, but there's so much to say about Gnosticism. We've got about 15 minutes left, so. Oh, okay. I'll say a few more things about Gnosticism. <laughs> I'll say a little more about Gnosticism. Just a little. Um, they've got this whole thing about like some people having divine sparks and some people not having divine sparks. And sometimes they would have like a story about the evil god creating a woman and that woman is pure matter and so all the children she had are pure matter but then the good god made a better eve who had a divinity within her and all the kids she had have divinity in them and it's <sighs> this makes me angry you ever encounter like a new age thing that's like yeah, man, you got, like, the light within, man. You just got to, like, let that light shine and, like, pursue the what you already know in your soul. Yeah, your local non-denominational pastor who preaches barefoot every week and has hair down to his not, back. Not necessarily that guy. That guy might be perfectly orthodox. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, it's more likely that you're going to find this person selling crystals at an herb shop. And they're like, no, no, no. They did a lot of blow in the 80s. Yeah, they're like, the secret knowledge that's hidden inside the pyramids will set you free, brother. Aliens. Yeah, the Gnostics are alive and well, and they look like that. They're those people. They're those people. And to an extent, uh, Mormons. Ooh. I will say no more about that. (laughs) I'll say something about that. Sure. Make it quick. I've got so many more heresies to go through. Mormons are heretics. Or maybe not, because I guess you can't really call them part of the church, I guess. Yeah, at this point, they've branched off sufficiently to be their own thing. I will say, though, they're wrong. They're very wrong. Very wrong. (laughs) Insofar as they claim to be—they claim to be Christians, okay? If we accept their claim to be Christians, they are heretics. Yeah. If we deny their claim to be Christians, they are a different religion. They are pagans. I I, I think it's more accurate to deny their claim to be Christian because the things that they believe do not square with the traditional teachings of the church, nor with Holy Scripture. And, uh, period. Any any Mormons out there listening? I I like you guys. You guys are super cool. You're very nice. And, uh... I would love to chat with you, but I think you're wrong. Unfortunately for you, the gospel does not call us to be nice. But we're waiting on you to come back to the right side of it. Yeah, so if you're a Mormon and you think we've uh, done your religion dirty, feel free to email us at theologyissuegmail.com. I was going to tell him to feel free to stick it. Okay, oh. So our next heresy is <laughs> is Sabellianism. You're so aggressive, William. Yeah, I'm an aggressive guy. Fair enough. Okay, uh, our next our next heresy is Sabellianism, also known as modalism. Ooh, I know this one. What's this one? Uh, this is one where the Trinitarian Godhead exists, but not really, because it revealed itself in three distinct persons at three distinct times in history, and they did not coexist. First, God revealed himself as the Father in the days of the Old Testament, and then again as the Son during the days of the New Testament— and then as the Holy Spirit, here and now. And uh, it, it, it's sort of like a metamorphosis thing. It it changes forms. The, the different modes. Yeah. God's revealing himself. Uh, yeah. And it, they had a leader whose name was Sibelius. So sometimes it's called Sibelianism, also called modalism. He was yeah. a heretic. Yeah. This is heresy. This is wrong. Um, some... Not all, but some Pentecostal churches have ideas that are along these lines. Um, so I'm, I'm going to ask a question. This is, okay. this is a genuine question because I, I, I really don't know how they justify this in their mind. But we see Jesus talk to the Father more than once in, 
in the New Testament, in Holy Scripture. We see it during the baptism, where Jesus is baptized, and after the baptism, the Father speaks down from heaven and says, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. How do you justify that the Trinitarian Godhead has undergone a modal change if we see the two coexisting at the same time? I have no idea. I, I, I'm genuinely not sure what the argument is there. Uh, I, I, if I'm... When I've encountered this in the past, it's essentially the word Trinity is not in the Bible, therefore, dot, dot, dot. And But we see the Father speak to the Christ, and we see the Christ speak to the Father. And we see the Holy Spirit uh, active in the life of Christ. We see so, the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus in the same baptism story. That's all three in one scripture. Yeah, we— uh, One chapter. I can't defend the position for the Sibelians because I don't hold it, and I don't care what their argument is because it's bad and wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, the okay, these people exist— Um. You're probably guilty of doing a little bit of Sibelianism sometimes, where you inadvertently end up confusing the persons of the Trinity. And most of us did this in third grade when we prayed for the first time for Jesus to come live in our hearts. That That is a, a confusing of the persons of the Trinity. Jesus dwells at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and the Holy Spirit dwells within the human person. Jesus is not present on earth right now. He is in heaven. Read your Holy Scripture and read it carefully, and you will find that I am right. It is and also, sorry. It, it's also very easy to accidentally do a Sibelianism when you are— when you're trying to articulate the Trinity. Yeah, like, because have you ever doing... heard, uh, you're a husband, but you're also an employee. Mm -hmm. You're also, like, a son, but you're all of those at the same time. Yep. That's a, that's kind of a Sibelianism. It's womp womp. articulating the Trinity well and doing it without committing a, a wrong thought or heresy can be really hard. Some of us do it better than others, and... It's very easy to accidentally get into the modalism land when you're doing that by accident. It's yeah. it's easy to do that unintentionally. And remember our definition? That doesn't make you a heretic. No. You're not a heretic because you accidentally set up a, a Sibelianism. Because you articulated something poorly does not make you a heretic. Yeah. Um, so put, put, put that out there, but... Yeah, uh, something to keep in mind when you are preaching the gospel to someone and trying to explain the Trinity, or, uh, you know, trying to tell people how to give your life to Christ, uh, maybe maybe just keep that in the back of your mind when you're doing that, so you don't accidentally do a Sibelianism. Yeah, and, you know, um, Trinity's hard. It is. I wish it wasn't, but— the Trinity oh well. goes hard. It does. Trinity slaps. <laughs> uh, next heresy— Yes. You mentioned it earlier. Arianism. Yeah. So Athanasius of Alexandria is preaching his sermon, doing his thang, and a fella in his congregation named Arius, who sucked, uh, after Athanasius says that um, Jesus is God, basically, or Jesus is equal with the Father, uh, Arius goes, hey, that's a heresy. And then Jesus is a created being. Yeah, Jesus is a created being. He's like a lowercase g God, and God the Father is a capital G case. What God. was his like tagline? There was a time, there was when, a time when he was not. When he was not. But, yeah. Um, that was one of the things that Arius said, and this became uh, a big problem. This led in part to the Council of Nicaea, where the church got together and said, "Okay, let's be very." very clear. What exactly have we been saying about Jesus this whole time? And then they wrote down very, very clearly what exactly they had been saying about Jesus this whole time, which is that he is equal with the Father and it was, in all things uh, except for the things that it means to be the Son. Versus it was at that very council that the blessed Saint Nicholas slapped Arius across the face. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think it happened. I, I choose to believe it's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, I don't think we touched on this in the Christmas episode. Talked about oh, I know we talked about this. I don't think we touched on uh, 
Saint Nicholas was also supposedly temporarily removed from like bishophood during yeah. that time because of him doing that. <laughs> Allegedly, after he slapped Arius, he was put in prison and defrocked for a while. But then they reinstated him. Yeah. So I choose to believe that it happened. It's a good story. I like that story. <laughs> um, it sounds true. Checks out. I'd buy it. So again, we uh, come back to our, our Mormon friends. They and Jehovah's Witnesses, both of them would say that Jesus is a God, but not equal with the God. He is a lower deity. That's what they would say. And I would say, you're wrong. And insofar as you claim to be a Christian, you're a heretic, or you're just a different religion entirely. I'll make a statement. I think that the Jehovah's Witness might be the dumbest of the Christian copycat religions, so to speak. I think they might be the worst, in my opinion. I think that Mormonism is probably worse, because the Jehovah's Witnesses take the Bible and butcher it. The Mormons had— Made their own Bible. (laughs) a, A thing. Golden tablets fall out of the sky, and only old Joey— could uh, could translate it for some reason. Smith was called a prophet. Dum, 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 dum. You got a fun little song about... Uh, oh, do you not know that? Joseph Smith? No. Uh, it's it's from South Park. Oh. Uh, there's an episode in South Park all about Jehovah's... Uh, Mormons. Mormons, thank you. And uh, they, they do like a whole spoof on the whole Joseph Smith story mm. with... And uh, they have a whole song that plays in the background and it's, uh, it's stupid catchy. Anyway... Anyway, they're both wrong and stupid, and we're waiting for you. I, I back brothers. I don't ever advocate violence unless it's necessary, but I totally get why um, why the people in Indiana, I think it was, looked at Joseph Smith and what he was doing, and they said, "Get out." Understandable. Not saying it was right, but by golly, if I knew a guy that was walking around claiming to have golden tablets. You know, in steamed hams. Ah, <laughs> uh, good old steamed ham. Aurora Borealis, at this time of year, in this part of the country, localized entirely within your kitchen. Yes. May I see it? No. <laughs> Golden tablets fallen from heaven that contain secret knowledge from God that only you can translate. Yes. May I see it? No. All right, then. Um, <laughs> understandable why the people in Indiana didn't like that. Yeah. So, Arianism, it's bad. It's dumb. Womp womp. So, we're pretty much out of time here. Dang, Did had, you have... I had one more heresy. If we go a few minutes over, we go a few minutes no, over. We, we, we need to respect Jesse's time. We've, we've been going too long for sure. Fine. We don't even have to talk about it. You can just put it out there and say this okay. is what they think and they're wrong. Last heresy, Pelagianism. Pelagius was a monk from uh, the British Isles. He came down to the, like, the Rome area and he was like, hey, if you follow the law perfectly your whole life, you could receive salvation through the law. Sounds a lot like the Judaizers. And this created a controversy because people were like, does that can you? Is that allowed? <laughs> well, first of all, no. No one's going to be able to do that, so moot point. Second of all, the law does not save. It is grace that saves you. Uh, so, blessed St. Augustine, he, he wrote a whole bunch against Pelagian, and he, uh, despite his Catholicism, is pretty pretty clear on it is grace through, by grace that we're saved, by not grace, by work. Through faith. I don't know if he articulates it as by grace through faith, but mm. it, it's grace that saves us, not works. And that is the official teaching of the Catholic Church. So, you know, when people who are Protestant accuse the Catholics of works righteousness, well, the Catholics have historically had a lot of beef with strict works righteousness, which is what Pelagian was teaching. So, you know, just something to think about. So that's Pelagianism. Bad, dumb, stupid, wrong. Anyway, uh, heresy is bad. Don't do it. If you do do it and someone corrects you that you've done it, uh, be be gracious enough to uh, receive the correction. And if you're out there and you're doing heresy, 
stop it, and we're waiting on you to come back. Come on home. We're waiting on you. Yes. Anyway, thanks for listening. And, yeah. And, uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Leave a review. On Spotify. On Spotify and on whatever your favorite podcatcher is because we are available on Samsung Podcasts, everyone's favorite podcast resource. Amazon Music. Amazon Music. Apple Podcasts. Please listen on Apple Podcasts. It was such a pain in the butt to get on there. You have no idea, man. Please listen on Apple Podcasts or else we did all that work for nothing. Mostly Ryan. Check out the website. Uh, I mentioned in the last couple episodes I was hoping to have the website up by the time those are up. I, the website is up if you haven't seen the stuff about it already. And it looks very good. You did a great job. Oh, thanks. I tried. Yeah. Uh, Jesse helped me out a little bit. Thanks, Jesse. But uh, the website has officially launched. You can find links for it in the description on YouTube and uh, whatever podcatcher you're on. It'll probably be somewhere in the description for this video. Uh, go check it out. We have resources on there with sites and uh, links to stuff for episodes moving forward that we talked about. Uh, little bios about William and I. You can see our faces if you want to, I guess. Um, I can't imagine why. Uh, yeah, that kind of thing. So go check it out. It was a lot of work. I had fun putting it together, and uh, I'm going to keep updating that weekly. All right, thanks for listening. See you guys next week. <laughs>